Hello and welcome to another edition of Discover Mercer County Business. I'm your host, Rod Wilt, and I'm the Executive Director of Penn Northwest Development Corporation. We are Mercer County, Pennsylvania's Certified Economic Development Organization. Our motto is, make it in Mercer County, and our role is to create low-cost financing solutions for recruiting, retaining and growing jobs, and business opportunities in every corner of our county. The sole purpose of this program is to showcase people and organizations that are making it happen here. We interview them to find out why they've chosen Mercer County. Pennsylvania is a great place to live, work, and play. We're producing this show in conjunction with Teal College students, faculty, and staff, and we're coming to you from the state-of-the-art TV and radio studios in the James Pettus Communication Center on Teal's campus in Greenville. If you'd like to connect with our improvement movement team to see how you can make it in Mercer County, please visit our website at penn-northwest.com or give us a call at 724-662-7205. You can also find us on YouTube by searching Penn Northwest Development Corp or connect with us on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. We hope you enjoy this edition of Discover Mercer County Business. And today we welcome to our program Mr. Doug Anderson. Doug is the president of Anderson Coach and Travel, uh, a long, long, long time business established in Greenville, PA, Northern Mercer County. Doug, thanks for being on our show. Tell us a little bit about Anderson Coach and Travel. You got such an interesting history with your family, and uh, some of it many people may know. Most of it, I bet they don't. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Rod. Sure. We're uh, I'm third generation uh, in the bus business. Uh, my father and mother started the business down in uh, New Wilmington, and started transporting students back and forth to a one-room schoolhouse. My dad did. And on the very first day that he arrived at school to deliver those children, he went in to check and see, as all good bus drivers would do, to find out when those kids were going to get out for the day. Now, what year would this have been? 1937. Oh, my. We're celebrating <laughs> our 84th anniversary this year. Oh, that's great. So he claimed that he saw the prettiest ankle that he'd ever seen in his life. Three years later, it became uh, that lady, Dortha Elder, uh, became uh, his wife, and many years later, she became my mother. So uh, that's how the love story actually got started on my dad's very first bus trip. Wow. And uh, so we've been in the school bus contract business uh, ever since that happenstance meeting down uh, in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania. So uh, we basically longtime Mercer County residents and uh, have been uh, deep-rooted here. Um, in 1948, we moved from the southern part of Mercer County. Uh, I wasn't there, uh, <laughs> but uh, the uh, uh, need to service the buses in the Greenville area, because we had school contracts with, which at that point in time was West Salem Township, later became Reynolds School District. And then subsequently, we've had the opportunity to serve uh, not only Reynolds, but Jamestown, Greenville, and the Conneaut School District up in Crawford County. So, uh, but in uh, 1948, my dad bought his very first motor coach, which was uh, a GMC coach, brand new, $13,000. Wow. <laughs> so, things have evolved a little bit since then. Uh, 
I fondly remember uh, as I was growing up, your father drove school bus for us. I was gonna mention that, so picture this. Guy comes up here from Pittsburgh to go to Teal College. He's gotta be, because he took a year off or so after high school, he's gotta be a 20 year old kid. Yeah. And he walks from the campus out to the garage and I think he might have had another longtime Mercer County resident, Jim Biddle, with him. He did. Or maybe Jim came a year later. But a 20-year-old guy walks in and says, I need a job driving the bus. And that's not the craziest part. The craziest part is your dad hired him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he obviously recognized some good quality individuals in, in both your dad as well as in Jim Biddle. And uh, I think they worked their way through Teal College uh, as that being their mainstay employment. Yeah, I think your dad hired my dad because my grandfather was in the trucking business. So from the time my dad had a license, he was driving a decent sized truck hauling produce. So yeah. I think as long as he knew that he could work the clutch with his left hand and the, the throttle with the right and shift gears that he might have had a, might have had a job. But yeah, it was a little bit different uh, work environment then. It probably meant that he had to drive clear down to crash his auto wrecking and turn around and not miss a gear. And he was probably qualified to was become that the a driver school bus test? driver. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, there were it. no redway lights. There were, yeah. you know, there was none of the safety precautions and and the uh, safety uh, items that a school bus has now back then. Yeah, Anyhow. right, right, right. So, so we're going to get into a lot of stuff today. A yeah. lot of stuff. We're going to, you know, of course, the business has just been severely impacted by COVID. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. But I want to, I want to pick up with that first motor coach. So. Was that set up to do tours? Was that set, uh, tell me what when the light bulb went off in your dad's well, head to go from buses to, to coaches? Dad very early on uh, discovered when he was in the school bus business, uh, and he bought his very first school bus in 1940. Um, that it sat on the weekends, so he started doing one day excursions down to Pittsburgh, uh, taking the rural farm people and all over Mercer County down to explore the H.J. Hines Company, the Carnegie Museums, and uh, so that's how he started really in the tour business. Uh, after he had had a fair amount of following and actually even done some trips in school buses to Washington, D.C. for uh, schools in, in Cochranton, PA, and things of that sort, which were very, very early on in the history of the company, um, in 48, he decided to buy buy a motor coach, and it was set up to to tour, go across the country, or or just take teal kids up to Allegheny College to compete in athletics. So whatever it took. Uh, subsequently to that, you know, from that humble beginning, uh, we've grown our motor coach fleet to uh, uh, 43 over the road motor wow. coaches, wow. and we operate 180 school buses on a daily basis. So it's, uh, it, it keeps us busy. Uh, it's been a, uh, I was very blessed to have the opportunity to step into the business. Uh, my brother was a predecessor uh, in the business to myself and my sister and I are still partners uh, here. So we're, uh, and we're blessed that one of my sister's sons who would be actually third generation. I think I misspoke earlier and said I was third generation. It was really third generation. Right. I got it. In this area. Uh, but, um, he, um, and then I have my son, Evan, who uh, has joined us just about four years ago, too. So I've got two of the third generations uh, working with us, and it's a lot of fun. That's great. I remember as a kid, my dad took us on a summer bus trip, and we were uh, doing a loop around the U.S. because there was some sort of 
function for elected officials in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So yeah. my dad decides we're going to take three weeks on the road. He and I, my brother, the three of us, my mom wouldn't go. We <laughs> took his pickup truck. There you go. <laughs> and we're somewhere out west, way up in the mountains. We stay in this little hotel, not even a hotel, it was a motel, and uh, go across the street for breakfast. We're coming out and in pools an Anderson coach that's yeah. doing a tour. I think they were going out to Mount Rushmore or something. Probably. And, and my dad was just flipping out. Yeah. You know, here we are out in the middle of nowhere thousands of miles away from home, and here comes an Anderson bus. And uh, I just thought that was unbelievably funny, but just that's the presence you guys have around the country. Is there, there's probably not a state you haven't been to, right? Well, we've been to uh, every, everything uh, every Hawaii, probably. Well, every state by, by land uh, in motor coach, including Alaska, uh, which is uh, a big trip, and I personally have driven it 16 times. <laughs> But uh, in addition to that, uh, every one of the Canadian provinces and territories. So we've been into the Northwest Territories, um, clear up into the, the uh, maritime areas all over North America. Now, we do not go south of the, Mex of the U.S. Uh, Mexico border just because of insurance reasons. Oh, it's, it's insurance and not safety or security? More well, insurance and safety uh, they go tie hand together. Hand, right? Yeah, right. so it, there's a lot of factors I should have thought about that, that question a little more. That, I might have so. been able to answer but it. But yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting though when you look at a uh, a company with an 84-year history in Mercer County that you've seen a lot of changes in the county over the years. So, you know, I, I know your your family has deep roots here, but it's 2000, it's it's 2021. You can yeah. do this business anywhere. I mean, why Mercer County for you folks? Well, it's home, and you know, it's where our heritage is. Uh, we find the quality of people that we have the opportunity to hire here um, just superior to a number of the other locations that we've had the opportunity to hire good quality people. We do keep buses stationed in Cleveland, Ohio. At various times we've had buses in in Pittsburgh. Occasionally we even move them up to Erie. So we're a, we're a regional uh, carrier and that's kind of our regional uh, area that we cover. Uh, since we've been COVID affected we've pulled all of those park out buses back into our shop and just not a whole lot going on right now. And I want to get into that in just a little bit, but you think about now, one of the things we market at Penn Northwest in terms of our location is the intersection of 79 and 80, but you were here before 79 and 80 was even an intersection in Mercer County. So, but does that having access to these markets, New York City, Chicago, up into Canada, you can even be in Charlotte at a, at a race in yeah. less than eight hours or about eight hours by coach. I mean, is that an advantage, do you think, for you folks? Absolutely. It's a great crossroads for us. We're 400 miles from New York City. We're 400 miles from Chicago. We're 325 miles from New York or from Washington, D.C., and about 300 miles to Toronto. There's not a whole lot of Canadian travel going on now, not just because of COVID, but really post the 9-11 okay. uh, scare with all of the passport requirements uh, and the security that's there. We've not had the opportunity to open that market up. But again, we're a day's drive from Nashville, Tennessee, a day and a half drive from Branson, Missouri, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, just beautiful areas that we have the opportunity to go to and, and really uh, explore with, with our Western Pennsylvania uh, natives as well as Eastern Ohio. So you talked about your employees and of course the economic impact that you've had you know, just from a job creation standpoint, um, 
let's not use today's numbers because we're going to get into why you know the motor coach business is down and, and how you've been working to fix that sure. nationally with your lobbying efforts and your advocacy efforts. But um, you know, just talk about what the employment base in Anderson is, and then we'll talk a little bit on the capital side, how much you've invested in the county. Well, we have, um, uh, in total, we have just short of 200 uh, full-time full drivers for us right now. Um, and historically, we would have had uh, 12 uh, mechanics that worked for us, cleaning department of 12, um, an office staff upwards of 22, which currently we have four of us that are hmm. holding down the office, mm -hmm. uh, and all the other departments are significantly reduced uh, just because uh, there is not any demand there. So we're being reactive to what, what the market allows us to do. So total payroll, when you were at you know your peak, say prior to COVID, when things were rolling along pretty good, you know what do you think that you know what do you think that number might oh, approach? It was uh, upwards of seven million dollars. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Family-owned business. Family-owned business. That's yeah. fantastic. Let's talk about some of the capital needs of the business. I traveled back and forth to Harrisburg back in the day, and I was going to Columbus and back to Harrisburg with some of my real estate and political stuff I was doing after I was no longer a state rep. And I, you know, you run into the buses all the time, but you know, when you see an Anderson bus, you know, going down the road, what am I looking at there in terms of the cost of that equipment? Well, first off, I don't <clears> want you to run into one. Oh, I would never do that. <laughs> I would be on the bad end of that one. But uh, uh, a, a new motor coach, new deluxe motor coach, which we've bought um, 10 of them in the last three years uh, are six, uh, $600,000 a piece. And that's so. completely macked out with all the electronics and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, we've got cameras pretty much giving us 360 degree for a safety standpoint, uh, anti-collision devices on a lot of them. So the uh, the technology is is very state of the art. Uh, we're, we're working with the manufacturers right now on uh, new emerging technologies as it relates to um, state of the art mirrors and things of that sort. So. Yeah, so let's just talk about that. You're not only you know engaged in the business on a day-to-day -day basis, but you're uh, working with the manufacturers mm -hmm. on some of those designs you mentioned. But then let's talk about some of your advocacy for the industry. So there is an association that you're members of and, and talk about what they do at the state and federal level to, to make your business you know be viable in this changing environment. Absolutely, well, we're, uh, we've been Longtime members of the American Bus Association, uh, which um, is the primary political voice uh, on Capitol Hill on a national level. Uh, I'm a past president of the American Bus Association, and at the national level, at the national level. Wow. Um, and uh, in addition to that, there's the United Motor Coach Association, which we're also members of too, which does lobbying and does a lot more maybe hands-on maintenance style uh, programs to educate uh, operators. But the, the primary lobbying portion of the American bus, uh, of the bus industry is the American Bus Association. So they work on the national uh, scene for us. Uh, we're also members of, in fact, Ryan's on the board of directors for the Pennsylvania Bus Association, which is known as PBA and a very influential uh, body within the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and Ryan is also a member of the Pennsylvania School Bus Association, which is also a local um, Pennsylvania-based uh, organization 
that allows we as uh, school bus operators to share ideas. Uh, some of the best things that we do, yeah, we do do some lobbying and things of that sort when we feel threatened by some of the government regulations. But primarily, the best thing we do is share best practices. Uh, you know, can pick up uh, the phone and talk to somebody that's been down the road that uh, with a mechanical problem or maybe with a student behavior problem that we're able to, to deal with. Same thing with on the national level, we, uh, we, we were, in fact, when I was president of the American Bus Association, seat belts were just getting introduced into commercial buses. I want to talk to you so, about, so go ahead and address that on the commercial side and then on the bus side, because on the legislative side in Pennsylvania, that's been a, light, uh, a raging debate yeah. about seat belts on buses, but talk about the motor coach industry first and the school buses side. Well, the motor coach industry got lobbied to, or got uh, pretty much forced into putting in three-point belts. Uh, very, very... Uh, now, the three-point belt is one that goes over the shoulder? Correct. Okay. And it uh, uh, has to be pulled tested to uh, very strong NHTSA standards. Uh, and it's... Uh, and NHTSA being the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, right? Correct. Okay. Which is the primary recommending body for uh, progressive safety uh, legislation in the United States. Uh, they, uh, so the, they did a lot of crash tests and, and watched what was going on. The primary uh, focus that buses have always had, now that this, this crosses school buses as well as motor coaches, is compartmentalization. You've got high backs in front of you. Generally speaking, they're very soft and uh, pliable so that in the event of, a, of an accident, there is this whole compartmentalization. Now that does all go upside down, so to speak, when a bus rolls over. Historically, most impacts, buses are very solid and they usually stay in a vertical position. And um, even though all motor coaches have seat belts on them now, the use of them is um, Is it optional pretty, to the passenger? It is optional. Okay. We, we recommend that they put them on. Uh, but there's nobody to enforce it going up and down the road. Yeah, you don't, don't travel a, with a flight attendant on the bus, right? And nor do school buses, <laughs> right, which, right, which opens right. up the other Pandora's box, which is, you know, seat belts on school buses. And uh, again, compartmentalization is really the uh, uh, the main uh, thrust of the safety of a school bus. And again, the fact that most of the time they don't lose their their wheelbase. But when they do, kids get tossed and jostled around very, very severely. And there are some uh, terrible accidents that have happened. Uh, but with seat belts, um, especially enforcing the use of seat belts, almost means that you need to have a proctor on board the vehicle in order to ensure that kids are actually buckling up. And uh, the, the fact that that's uh, not a very practical um, opportunity in a uh, very economically uh, challenged educational uh, world. So it, it doesn't lend itself to it. Uh, I know every couple of years it does come up and it's been uh, a political hot, hot seat. Uh, we do feel that um, buses uh, are constructed extremely solid. They're, they're very, very uh, durable vehicles. Um, and everything that we see, um, because there's downfalls to seat belts, 
I just Especially don't know how you get people out kids. of it. And I don't know how you get them out of the bus if there's a problem. Yeah. You've got to go and unbuckle 30, 40, how, how many kids on a bus? Maybe 50 to 60? Yeah, it could be up to 70, 78, actually. Up to 78 kids, yeah. you know, unbuckling them and getting them unchained uh, from their seat in an emergency is time consuming. Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't have a lot of time. And you so. may only have, you know, one seatbelt cutter on, on a vehicle and it's up with the driver and you hope that the driver's not incapacitated. So there's all types of uh, challenges when it relates to school school vehicle um, seatbelts. The other thing is, is in a lot of, a, a few states have adopted seatbelts on buses. They have found that it truly, uh, kids will be kids and they'll hit each other with the seatbelts. They'll try to tie each other up with the seatbelts and all kinds of mischievous things that kids do. And especially when they're not in a supervised environment and literally that school bus driver has to be focused uh, out the front of the bus, looking at the mirrors, looking at the mirrors, and occasionally having the opportunity to look back through what's going on in the school school bus world. Now we do have surveillance cameras on. I was going to just buses. ask you about the the cameras on yeah. buses. That's a new uh, revelation in the last ten years or so, right? It is, yeah, and it's uh, standard operating procedure. We, I, I personally would not operate a school bus if I didn't have. Uh, video surveillance on board that vehicle. Has it settled down incidences on school buses? Uh, knowing the kids, the kids knowing they have. I'm sure there's a sign that says you're on camera. Does that? It, it makes. Uh, sometimes it does. Uh, what it does allow is to uh, verify the driver's perspective on a discipline problem. Because Johnny, before videotaping, would say, "I'm sorry." Uh, I, I did not do that. It wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't me or it was somebody else or whatever it was. But when you can uh, actually have video um, capture it and, and then you take it into the, the, the principals and the superintendents and they've got rock solid information that says, yeah, the driver's perspective is correct. You know, the student uh, was at fault and, you know, they can follow through and call the parents and have them come in and that's great. There, there's been some great stories that have uh, evolved between parents and children about the the videotapes. And no, I didn't do it. Are you sure you don't want to reconsider that, <laughs> right. that statement? Because I'm going to put this TV on. Yeah, it. there you go. So, well, yeah. and I want to focus on the driver and mechanics because a lot of the stuff we get into at Penn Northwest is working with our uh, job training partners mm -hmm. and making sure that you, as a business owner, are able to find employees. You know that. You, you obviously want to do your own training, but what does driver training look like in this day and age, and how are you finding your diesel mechanics and the folks that keep the buses on the road? Well, we've, been, uh, we've used the, the local Votech schools uh, for most of our recent tech hiring. Occasionally, uh, we'll get um, somebody from an outside uh, secondary school but we found at the Mercer County Career uh, Institute as well as the Crawford County uh, Career Institute have both uh, are both producing good quality uh, mechanics that we've had the opportunity to uh, to employ. Unfortunately, They're right now they all diesel, right? All the buses are running on diesel right now. Well, we we actually have some gas vehicles Still, out there okay. too, but okay. uh, but it is primarily diesel. So, yeah, and uh, when it comes to our driver training, we use uh, an LMS system, which is a uh, a learning management system that uh, we have developed through another national organization 
for all of our driver school training. And then we review all of that. So our program is six weeks long uh, for our motor coach operators. We will take uh, qualified individuals. Um, we hire for personality because you're not driving boxes, you're driving people and individuals and our customer service is uh, the most important aspect of our business, second only to safety. And then we train people to drive a bus safely. Uh, so we hire for the personality and then we train them to, to drive a bus safely. No more 20 year old kids though, right? Uh, no, not, <laughs> yeah. no, insurance <laughs> companies won't allow us to do that anymore. Right, right. Uh, right. But, uh, and then in our school bus world, uh, there's basically a state mandated uh, school bus training uh, program, which uh, involves 20 hours of uh, behind the wheel uh, and classroom training that uh, is highly supervised and highly, um, uh, we have to have certified instructors on board as we do with our motor coach drivers. We're also a, a commercial CDL test site. So I have two uh, people that work uh, that do independent third-party testing for anybody we have through the years done a lot for New Newcastle School of Trades, but we do things for uh, Powell's Grain uh, Company. We do just anybody that needs to have a CD CDL licensed driver tested. The so state does the written part. We do the practical application. And then is there a minimum age requirement uh, for a CDL license, it's 18. Okay, and um, what about to drive a motor coaches? Uh, for a motor coach, it's 25. I thought it might be. And that's an insurance, uh, actually technically and legally, they could operate it at 21, but uh, with a passenger endorsement and as strict as the insurance regulations are in our business because obviously they're handling the most um, precious cargo that we, we have, uh, which is human lives. So. Uh, it is a 25 uh, year minimum. I've always been amazed at the number of women that want to drive a school bus. I yeah. find that fascinating. Well, I think it has to do with um, the scheduling, uh, the fact that their kids can actually go to school and they're pretty much in a very similar starting early in the morning. Kids are getting up, going out to get on the school bus. Maybe they're driving their same kids. Uh, I think it's it does take, um, no matter whether it's a male or a female uh, school bus driver, they need to be a nurturing person. You know, they need to enjoy children. If you don't enjoy children, then you ought to be driving a box truck. Um, so that's probably one of the main reasons why there's primarily, uh, but we have a lot of great uh, retirees uh, that are males that uh, have done this as a second uh, you know, unlike your father who did it at the beginning of his career, uh, some people are doing it, you know, after they get to 65 and they're looking for a rewarding way to, to uh, continue to be in the workforce. Well, I tell you this pretty much every time we're together. I love to drive and I love being around people. So I might be one of those ones that go, I think this is my sixth or seventh career. It might be my seventh or eighth. There you go. I look forward to but, ushering you in. Yeah, well, we're going to take a break because okay. when we get back, I want to really dig deep into how COVID has impacted your business. And I want to get into a little bit of your management style. And your, I, I ask everyone that we interview uh, what they see in leaders and how they develop them and where your leadership philosophy came from. So okay. we're going to do that when we come right back. Is your company looking to expand and grow? 
then Mercer County, Pennsylvania is the right place for you. Whether your company is involved in manufacturing, technology, logistics, health, or business services, shell gas exploration, or retail, we can help. Mercer County, Pennsylvania offers low-cost land, valuable infrastructure, a quality labor force, and the right financial tools to make your corporate expansion an affordable reality. Mercer County is only a day's drive to major markets including Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, New York City, Chicago, and even Southern Canada. Companies like GE Transportation, Joy Cone Company choose to make it in Mercer County, and Penn Northwest wants to show you how your company can also make it in Mercer County too. Our team of experts will help you expand and save dollars. How does Penn Northwest do it? How does Penn Northwest save companies so much money? With a combination of low interest loans, grants and credits, tax abatements and even tax free property. Here's the best part. Penn Northwest will do most of the work for you. Just click on the button below and get the process started. Or you can first get an idea of how your organization can make it in Mercer County by using the savings estimator located at makeitinmercercounty.com. You'll see that expanding your business in Mercer County, Pennsylvania is the move that makes the most dollars and cents. Call Penn Northwest Development Corporation at 724-662-3705 for more information. Welcome back to this edition of Discover Mercer County Business. We're here with the president of Anderson Coach and Travel, Mr. Doug Anderson. I'm your host, Rod Wilt. And Doug, before the break, we talked about uh, really digging into how your business has been on the motor coach side, almost devastated by COVID-19, but it's a survival story as well. So walk us through that fateful day almost a year ago, March of 2020, when uh, the pandemic was announced, the national state of emergency, Governor Wolf with the state of emergency in Pennsylvania, and take us back to that time and what your life's been like the last 11 months. Yeah, well, uh, it, it's been pretty much living a nightmare is how I would, uh, because we never thought that we'd have uh, the downturn in our motor coach business like we've had. Um, it was basically March 13th, school shut down, and immediate, immediately uh, our busiest time of the year because a student traveled to Washington, D.C. and New York City, uh, all of those uh, school field trips had the plugs pulled on them. And uh, we thought, geez, this, this, is, this is bad, but you know, we're looking to June. And, and you know, things are gonna bounce back by June. We're gonna put this COVID to bed. And, and June came and, and the situation didn't change. And in fact, um, where we would have done uh, $3 million worth of revenue in uh, our second quarter uh, we did less than $100,000. Wow. So it, the wheels really did get knocked off the bus. Uh, and subsequently to that, you know, it, we've just been kicking the ball further down the road. We were cautiously optimistic that we were going to have college athletics uh, in the fall, and we had lots of things booked, and we were excited about having that opportunity to, to not only provide the services for this, the colleges, but for some of the student trips that had been canceled in the springtime, they got moved to the fall. 
Well, none of that came to fruition. All so, of the college athletics. I just want to stop you out. because the col college athletics, I mean, that's huge. You're moving a football team. That's like moving a small army with yeah. all the support staff and everything else. So how, how big was that business for you in terms of, you know, how many coaches on a Saturday? And I, I know you've got contracts with some Division I uh, conferences. Talk talk a little bit about the sports angle. To yeah, we do, uh, we do a, a lot of the D3 schools. Uh, fortunately, we've uh, Teal College uh, been great to us through the years, um, but we also serve a lot of the other uh, Westminster, Allegheny, uh, over into Ohio. Uh, we do uh, Walsh, we do Mount Union, we do uh, Notre Dame, and down to the Pittsburgh area we do Duquesne, Robert Morris. Um, we've got a big bid out right now with Pitt, so and we've done a lot of stuff with Pitt throughout the years. So regionally, uh, well, we're the largest motor coach carrier uh, east of or west of Harrisburg oh, wow. uh, in western Pennsylvania. Now there are, that's independently owned. There's some big, big companies, some of which have actually uh, ceased operations uh, in this COVID time period uh, and may not even come back. Uh, and those are some big national firms that have had uh, strategic strongholds here in western Pennsylvania. So, so there may be opportunity, additional there, opportunity for Anderson. There could be. So could how be. did you and your family rally together, come together as a unit and say, hey, we got to survive this thing? What, what were those conversations like? Well, we just, we, we just had to take a, a deep look at what we could afford to keep on. And we did, we maintained a lot of our staff for a long period of time. And then uh, when, when we didn't turn the corner and we had the opportunity to uh, really dig into the numbers and figure out that, you know, we had to do something strategically. And again, we thought these were all short-term furloughs or short-term layoffs. And, um, you know, subsequently they've been turned into uh, nearly 11 months of, uh, of challenges. And, you know, we've had some excellent uh, people that work with us that have gone to other employment. Uh, be, and so we're concerned That's about- That's like losing a part of your family, it right? It is, it is absolutely. Yeah. And again, um, there is just a, a small core. We had two people that worked remotely uh, initially during the uh, true COVID shutdown period because we were a non-essential business. Uh, we had our school bus drivers that were, or uh, managers that were working remotely also. Uh, we had my controller and uh, a nephew and uh, my son were the only people that were on the staff. Wow. And slowly we had the opportunity to bring mechanics back. Uh, and then uh, we did migrate uh, one person into our tour department and one person into our charter department. So the kids going back to school on the buses, that provided at least a, not a big thick cushion, but at least a little bit of a cushion for the business. Uh, the school bus business has... Uh, been a true blessing to us throughout this time period. Even though, uh, you know, every day we shuffle the deck a different way, depending upon which of the school districts we're dealing with. Uh, but we, you know, I, I commend our personnel has been just extremely flexible. And, you know, we, we react to, I, uh, as much as I am challenged as being a, uh, a, a motor coach and school bus owner in today's day and age, to be the superintendent of a school district right now 
would be a real challenge. Mm. And I've expressed that to all of our, our good uh, superintendents and, and their staff during this time period because, you know, they're, they're fighting uh, things on the parental front, on the COVID front, on the teacher front, on the, you know, all of those. On the athletics areas. is just a, yeah. Um, but going back to your efforts with the, um, with, with your interest group, you know, the federal government hasn't been too kind to the industry either with the first round or two of the uh, economic relief packages, correct? I remember uh, talking to you over the summer that on CARES 1, um, the, CARE, the first CARES Act completely left out in the cold. As it was with the second CARES Act oh. too. Now, uh, there, there is a little car, I sh should take that back. There's, there is a little carve out for the bus industry, which is called the CERTS Act, uh, which is the COVID um, uh, economic relief for transportation uh, companies. Now, and is that just designed for the airlines and you were able to get, a, get something out of it or what? It's actually a design for passenger rail service, which is a very small niche, uh, excluding Amtrak. Um, commercial vessels, uh, which would be ferry ships, uh, and some of the sightseeing boats that might be in some of the major cities, but not cruise lines, not cruise lines, okay. and over-the-road motor coaches. So you got you finally got a little, as well as school buses too. Okay. Yeah, but it's way underfunded. Uh, the federal government has not figured out how they're going to um, dispense the funds. How it's going to be. So you haven't equitable. seen any of that yet. No, no, and we probably won't until. April or May uh, is probably where I'm thinking that it'll come out at. So, yeah. So uh, one of the things I always ask our business leaders that we interview, Doug, is, and you've had to lead under some extraordinarily tough times, but, you know, and you've been at this a while too. Right. So, you know, how would you describe your leadership philosophy? How is it molded? And what do you think the most important part of being a, a leader of a significant size company, hundreds of employees, millions and millions of dollars worth of investment. How do you lead an organization like that? Well, first off, you've got to be really accessible. And, you know, I, so I, uh, daily I walk around our, our shop and our, our facility to, to talk to the people. Uh, unfortunately, right now, school bus drivers get into their school buses, they do their job, they come back and we sanitize the vehicles. And oftentimes we don't see them because of COVID issues but um you know to to be uh actively engaged in in every aspect of our business to to know people to uh you know ex have realistic expectations and hold people accountable for uh performance uh on various levels um is is extremely important and i i just feel that you need to lead by example you know you treat people the way you want somebody to treat you and um, that uh, that's pretty much the way uh, my father ran the business uh, for the first 50 years of the business. So that's been your, uh, that's been kind of your touchstone is watching your dad grow this company from, uh, from whenever you came on the scene to, uh, it, to, it, yeah. to I when mean, he retired. And I, eventually you know, I had great, away. I had uh, great leadership on both my mother and my father's side. My mother was really the person that, that worked in the office day to day and was, uh, I would say, more the brains behind the organization. Yeah. My dad was probably more the brawn behind the organization. And it was very successful for them. 
Now we've morphed since then. Obviously, we've we've gone much bigger and better, and uh, and we have set different goals and aspirations for uh, for our organization. But uh, it's still back to those same fundamentals as treating people the way you want to be, treating people, treating, you know, there's only one reason we're in business and that's for customers. If we don't have the opportunity to serve customers, then, you know, it doesn't matter how pretty your bus is or, you know, how clean your wheels are. Uh, you got to have people uh, in those seats and, uh, and traveling up and down the road. Those buses are pretty, though. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Those buses are really pretty. And we've done a lot of things to equip our coaches with, uh, to uh, help with the whole COVID. So we've uh, installed a product uh, upstairs, up in the overhead rack, and we were the, we're the only motor coach companies that has done it across our entire fleet. It's called Active Pure, which is an ionization uh, process that cleanses the air uh, as it's as the bus is going up and down the road. In addition to that, we have the ability to, uh, overnight when a bus is sitting, to put it into a deep ionization where uh, everything's just locked down and it basically sanitizes the entire interior of that vehicle. Now, in addition to that, we're, we're constantly wiping. Our drivers are instructed to do that. We spray uh, with electrostatic sprayers, and we also have uh, installed hand sanitizers at the front door of every one of our vehicles. So part of the whole leadership aspect when we came into COVID was how are we going to make the travel experience that we are going to provide, and we are going to provide it, we just haven't had the opportunity to do many of them yet, as safe as possible. But even when the pandemic's over, those buses are going to be cleaner and sanitized, and so it's going to be a completely different experience for your customers. Exactly. We're, we're, we're gearing up for, uh, you know, for coming out of this better and stronger, even the way we're, we're switching our payroll services, we're switching all types of uh, operational things to be um, kind of uh, touchless, better. right? Yeah. Yep. So the thing that amazes me, and this is just the Anderson way, is okay. that while the business was cratered, you were still investing. Yeah. Still investing. Yep. Still thinking about the future, still thinking about that customer that's coming when this is over. That's fascinating, but it does lead me to my last question uh, for our, our program today. And, you know, the Andersons are synonymous with community service. There's probably not a board or a social organization that someone in your family hasn't served on. Where does that come from? I mean, that duty to serve, I think, is just, and you have a nephew that went to the Air Force Academy. So that duty to serve, yeah. I mean, is that just something that you're born with? Was it your parents? Uh, I, it was, it was our parents' leadership. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, participate in a lot of things, and, and we want to give back. You know, it, it's uh, this this region has been very uh, good to our our company and our family, and we just look forward to uh, contributing in any way, shape, or form that we can as as a family and as a family group. Well, Doug, you've been a wonderful partner for us at Penn Northwest Development, and you've been a big supporter, a member for a long, long time. Even though you've never really availed your the company's never really used our, our financing services or any of our business support services. You must just feel that economic development and the support of the agency is important to the overall business well, environment. Is that, that's got to be it. It is, in much the same way as we, we support social and, and uh, um, charitable organizations. There's nothing more important than the economic fabric 
of Mercer County as it relates to our business and, and retirees that come out of major manufacturing companies that, that your organization supports. And so for that reason, we have been and we will continue to be strong supporters of Penn Northwest. Doug, that's fantastic. You've been such a great partner for our community. It's been a joy over my life to get to know you and your family. And really, thank you for being here. I could go on forever, but we're going to leave it there. And we want to thank you for watching this edition of Discover Mercer County Business. I want to thank, again, Doug, our guest on this program for making it in Mercer County. Uh, we produce this show in the state-of-the-art TV and radio studio here at the James Pettus Communications Center on Teal College's campus in Greenville. We want to thank the students, the faculty, and staff who have helped bring this show to life. If you have an idea or a suggestion for a future edition of Discover Mercer County Business, please connect with our improvement movement team on our website at pen-northwest.com or give us a call at 724-662-3705. And remember, you can also find out more about Penn Northwest Development Corporation by searching for us on YouTube or connecting with us on LinkedIn or other social media platforms. And as always, we hope that you enjoyed this edition of Discover Mercer County Business. We'll see you again next time.